The Miss Navajo Nation pageant is a thing. It's been going on almost every year since the 1950s. It's not about swimsuits or evening gowns, though. This tradition is all about making sure that the culture of the largest Native American tribe in the United States remains alive and vibrant. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Thursday, December 9th, 2021. The latest Miss Navajo Nation was crowned this past October, and today we take you to the competition. You'll hear from contestants, judges, and the eventual winner, and you'll get a sense of why the Diné, what Navajos call themselves, place such importance on something that non-members at first glance might dismiss as a mere beauty contest or country fair frivolity. LA Times special correspondent David Kelly was one of a select group of reporters allowed to see the entirety of this year's Miss Navajo Nation pageant in person. Usually thousands of people see it live on the reservation, but due to the COVID-19 restrictions, fans had to watch at home via a live stream. But the excitement nevertheless was real. The competition had to be canceled in 2020, so this was the first one period in two years. David, welcome to The Times. Thank you. So what's the history of Miss Navajo Nation? Well, Miss Navajo Nation began in 1952 at the Navajo County Fair. Back then, it was more, you know, many more contestants, dozens of contestants who would get on stage and uh, they would be dressed in their traditional Navajo dresses. From what I have been told, a man would go behind them, put a cowboy hat over their head, and whoever got the most applause would be selected as Miss Navajo Nation. (laughs) And over the years, as time went on, that slowly evolved into more events, more skills, more talents. And that came in step with the fact that many people on Navajo Reservation, specifically the political leaders, were fearing that the traditions and the language and the customs were slowly fading away. So this was a way to celebrate and maintain culture instead of just being your typical bunch of contestants, sashes, and all that. Yeah, it was not a beauty pageant. Uh, what do you mean cutting, like cutting the throat? Oh, cutting the throat, yeah, cutting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beheading the sheep. It's kind of interesting because back then people assumed in 1952 everyone could butcher a sheep. It was just taught by the grandmother and, and people could do it and people could speak the language. It, you didn't have to prove that as much. Those skills ebbed. You know, the first supermarket showed up in, in the 1980s, I believe, on the reservation. You no longer had to butcher a sheep to get meat. And things slowly began to drift away. And that's why additional events were added to the pageant, like uh, traditional food, like weaving. Like in 1996, the sheep butchering was added. Would it bug me? It probably would. Does it bother you? No, it doesn't. It doesn't now. Once you do that, you're not afraid of anything. So that's what my sheep teacher taught me. You know, you, you can take on anything now. So you're good. You're good. As modernity came to the nation and supermarkets and people started going to college and leaving the nation, some of those skills faded away. You know, the Navajos, there's 400,000 members of the Navajo Nation, 200,000 on the reservation, 200,000 off. They're pretty well integrated, but they also have really strong traditions, very tight family. There are parts of the, the nation that still have no electricity and no plumbing. 
people only speak Navajo, but that is slowly changing. And so this is kind of an SOS. And it's kind of interesting because Navajo tradition believes that all Navajos are born inherently able to speak the language. They're born with all these traditions inherently inside of them. They just need to be brought out. And that's what they're trying to do with this. So who's eligible for Miss Navajo Nation? What are the requirements? What's the preparation contestants do? You have to be 18 to 25, woman, unmarried. Those are the basic eligibility requirements. For this year, for example, there were three contestants. And to prepare, they, they would butcher sheep, for example. They would study their Navajo history. They would have to write an essay when they applied why they wanted to do this. They had to come up with a platform. If they win, what are they going to do? How will they concretely help the Navajo people? How will they work toward that? A lot of work goes into it. This isn't just a ceremonial title or something for photo ops or ribbon cutting ceremonies. It's an actual official position with the Navajo Nation. Yeah, it works out of the president's office. You get a small administrative staff, you get paid, you get a house in the capital of the Navajo Nation, Rundle Rock, Arizona. As Shandine Parrish, the, the Miss Navajo who just left, told me, you're, you're the female voice of the nation. As Miss Navajo Nation, I have really took it upon myself to be um, everyone's sister, aunt, mother, grandmother, friend, because that's my role as Miss Navajo. You are a goodwill ambassador for the president's office, and also you're the face of Navajo tradition and culture. The role of Miss Navajo Nation is in a governmental capacity. I serve as the female voice in our government. So Shandine, during the pandemic, she served two years because they didn't have the uh, contest last year. She visited all 110 chapter houses on a reservation that's, you know, 27,400 square miles, stretches into Arizona, Utah, New Mexico. She brought PPE. PPE, She brought food. food, She brought dog Dog food. food, She brought diapers. diapers. All the while in this regalia, this velveteen dresses and jewelry and a 4.3 pound sterling silver crown, which you always wore. It's a real visual office and people know you and people respect it. And you're expected to act a certain way when you're in that position. What did former Miss Navajo Nation winners tell you about their experience? Yeah, well, I spoke to about three of them. Uh, Crystalline Curley was one of those. So she grew up very much in a rural lifestyle where this, everyone spoke Navajo and everyone had sheep and animals. Now, I grew up with no television, no yeah, no, just the radio. <laughs> Learn skills, yeah. <laughs> so this was kind of second nature to her. And her grandfather was an herbalist, and he was really adamant that she assume a leadership role. And so he kind of pushed her toward entering Miss Navajo Nation. Your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Why, did, why was that important to him, do you think? I always thought that, you know, the Miss Navajo crown, you know, when people see it, like, when you're in the community, you know, she serves as that milestone for the community. And and he was like that. He was really, like, big on leadership. And he was a community leader. And, you know, he just thought that he would have one of his granddaughters to come to Navajo. What's interesting to me is that the Navajo Nation, it's the largest Native American tribe in the United States. Diné, their language, is by far the most spoken Native American language in this country. So why the need for them to have this official champion of their culture? One official said that possibly 50 percent or maybe even less than 50 percent of the 400,000 Navajos speak the language. And 
there's no indication that's growing necessarily. It's about the retention of language, the retention of um, cultural teachings, and then of course the role of women in Navajo culture. I spoke with Fafilia Nez, who's the first lady of the Navajo Nation, and she is a huge champion of the language. Um, I always think, you know, it's now that, that it's turned virtual, it allows a lot more people to see what the competition really entails. And I'm hoping that it will inspire a lot more young women out there to uh, realize what this pageant is all about. We'll have more after this break. David, this year's Miss Navajo Nation contest, how excited were folks considering it was the first one since 2019? The people were very excited, but, you know, there was some trepidation because it was all online. And there was some fear that, you know, not having thousands of people on hand to cheer on the, the contestants would somehow diminish it and make it less exciting. But that didn't turn out to be the case. You know, Navajo Nation was hit especially hard, like most Indian tribes. 1,400 Navajo died from COVID. So they wanted to get back to normalcy. They wanted something, something that said, we're back. Given that there were thousands, tens of thousands of people, I mean, literally tens and tens of thousands of people who watched this online and commented online. And I think there was a lot of passion for this. And, you know, I, I suspect more people saw it this year than perhaps ever before. Who were the contestants? So the first one was Niagara Rockbridge. She's 22. She's from Pinion, Arizona, a very rural part of Arizona. She grew up in a very traditional Navajo family. Her grandmother taught her how to butcher sheep as a kid. She entered her first pageant at age five. She's been in 10 pageants and won every one of them. She was really immersed in the Navajo tradition since she was a baby. And then the second was Shandine Yazis, 25. Shandine was a totally different person, very interesting, very distinctive laugh. You could hear it no matter where you were, you could hear uh, Shandine's laugh. It was very infectious. So Shandine Yazi identifies as a bisexual, queer, indigenous woman. She's very socially progressive. She's involved in Black Lives Matter, violence reduction. She went to a, a Navajo Nation immersion school to speak Navajo fluently. She's in a punk rock band. She learned a lot of this as a kid, and her dad was from the Gila River tribe while her mother was Navajo. And then the third was Ashkela Lakota Ironshell. She was 19, I believe. She grew up in a Christian family. She was not as immersed in the culture. She only butchered her first sheep a month before the competition. Her mother hired a teacher to teach her how to butcher. She had put up the pictures all on her wall to memorize the various parts of the sheep. Her dad was a Lakota Sioux. Before he died, he told her he really wanted her to get to know the Diné culture and to fully immerse herself in it. So at her mother and her sister's urgings, she decided to become a contestant. Unlike the other two, she was not fluent in Navajo. 
and that was going to come back to sort of haunt her during the competition. Uh, the only problem is my Navajo. I'm not very fluent in my Navajo or understanding in my Navajo. So if you can forgive me for that, I would appreciate your understanding. Thank you. Yeah. The competition itself, how did it play out? What were the different categories that the judges judged them on? What did they say about the reason why they should have been Miss Navajo Nation? It's a long competition. It started on Monday and it went all the way through Saturday. The very first was sheep butchering. You know, you had one hour to butcher a sheep. Grab that side on that other leg, pull it up. Then you had to clean the intestines and cut it up into, into the various meat parts. All the while they were doing that, they were being circled by judges asking them questions about everything they were doing. Why did you cut here? Why did you make this move? Why didn't you do it this way? One of the judges told me, he said, when I'm asking them these questions, I'm trying to hear the voices of their grandparents in their answers because you learn how to do this from your grandmother's The stress was obvious on these young women, and Niagara had it done in, in like an hour. She was amazing. And some of the others struggled a bit. Shandine Yazi cut herself really badly and kept going. She got bandaged up and kept going. After the butchering was finished, they prepared the food for the judges. Then there was also a, a traditional skill competition. Then there was a modern skill competition. They were asked questions. Each contestant will have 10 minutes to present their contemporary skills. One of my platforms I really want to work with in our communities is just to be continuing advocating for our people and our LGBTQ communities, for our Black and Diné relatives, for all of us who are a part of it. So it's always important to take care of your animals and if you let them out to graze, to make sure to watch them so they don't get onto the highways. That is and my platform. Yeah. I want to empower our youth in our holistic teachings. I want to have them grow, become more leaders for our people. Then they had to do a modern talent and a traditional talent. Shandine Yazzie, she's a singer, so she sang the old 1974 hit from Redbone, which is a Native American band, called Come and Get Your Love, which everyone knows and loves. Come and get your love, come and get your love. <laughs> That's one of my favorite songs. Niagara comes on stage in a pair of blue jeans and a drill, and she shows how to wire an outlet and turn yeah, on a light. Here so that you, when you turn on the light like this, it'll turn on up there. And this. I mean, it was very interesting. You know, these very practical skills these folks had. How electricity works. Electricity is where the electrons and protons are behaving in response to oppositely charged particles. So if you get enough of the electrons to break free. Then they had to answer questions about their tradition, and these were all in Navajo. That kind of stumped Ashkela. So there was a moment when Ashkela was up on stage and she simply couldn't understand the Navajo. I mean, Navajo is an incredibly difficult language. It was so difficult that we formed an entire code on it during World War II to befuddle the Japanese who never cracked it. 
So Ashkela just couldn't answer the question. She had to eventually leave the stage and didn't finish that part of the competition. And that was kind of an interesting moment because then the, the first lady and the second lady, whose name was Dottie Lizer, they were very emotional. And Dottie even teared up and said, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. I wasn't born knowing how to speak Navajo like this. So I'm urging everyone to have compassion for this young lady. Welcome everyone to the final day of the 69th annual Miss Navajo Nation pageant. Yeah, as great as all the contestants were, there could only be one winner. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I think most people kind of saw it coming who the winner was going to be. I mean, I thought Niagara would probably win, but part of me thought, well, maybe they'll go for the Shandine, who really has this kind of modern views of things. Miss Navajo Nation for this year's pageant is Niagara Rockbridge. But they went for Niagara because she had these great traditional skills and her Navajo was flawless and her understanding of the culture was flawless and her concepts of the religion, she knew everything. So she was the winner. Shandine came in second and Ashkela was the third. One of the interesting things about former winners is that they said once you're Miss Navajo Nation, you have to always be on. You've got to dress properly. You've got to behave properly. You know, once you're Miss Navajo Nation, you're always Miss Navajo Nation. David, thank you so much for this conversation. Well, thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, we reveal the top 101 restaurants in Los Angeles. Sorry, number 102. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, and Melissa Kaplan. Our engineers, Mario Diaz. Our editors, Lauren Rabb. Our executive producers are Shawnee Hilton and Hasmin Aguilera. And our theme music is by Andrew Eben. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news on this matter. Gracias. <laughs>